The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link, alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. Shout out to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, for the song Comb Over that you just heard as our intro this season. James, we're back after a two-week hiatus. Had the, the Rotowire Vegas trip sandwiched in between uh, some episodes. We're ready to dive in, hitting the home stretch here in the baseball season. Only really a little over a month left in the minor league season. And, and some of these guys that we're going to be focusing on today... Uh, may not even have that much because they're 
really at, at the low levels, rookie levels even. And I'm not exactly sure when the the rookie season ends, you know? Is it uh, actually, August? you know, a good chunk of them they they end right around the same time as like the regular leagues. They just start so oh, much okay. later. Oh, right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the, these guys have, you know, 6 weeks tops left uh, before their season comes to an end, but I mean, these are these are the kind of guys and I really like writing about guys in rookie ball sort of for this reason because they're they're the guys that you can kind of get at an affordable price in your dynasty leagues that actually have that you know the potential to you know two or three years down the line be be kind of building blocks for your team i mean you you can't really miss the boat on on these kinds of guys if you want to have a sustainable dynasty league team yeah absolutely and well there are a lot of a lot of marquee guys we'll get to but want to touch on some news first some prospect related news uh, first with with another rookie, Kyle Lewis, out for the year and pretty serious knee injury, torn ACL, plus uh, some other ligament issues there. Do you see this? I mean, obviously going to cost him a good chunk of development time, but uh, does this really hurt his stock in your eyes in terms of long-term dynasty league value? Yeah, I mean, I think it would probably cost him, I don't know, 10 spots, 10, mm-hmm. 15 spots on, on the next top 200 update just because it, it essentially – pushes his ETA back a year mm-hmm. and he was probably having the best start to his his professional career of any of the kind of marquee names selected in this year's draft so I mean it was a really big shame for for this to go down the way it did and it could uh, push into his recovery could push into next year right? yeah I mean, no that's doubt a really I mean issue. I think it's it's kind of the same thing as what Kyle Schwarber uh had at the start of this season and I know that Schwarber's been talking about how he thinks he could get back for the end of this season the Cubs are are saying the the opposite they're not going to rush him back at all uh I mean I think maybe on the the very optimistic side you could you could say Lewis maybe gets himself right for the start of of next season but uh this is a guy that maybe you know he could have maybe gotten a taste of low A before the end of the season now he's most likely going to just head right back to short season Eugene once once next season starts so I mean it's it definitely pushes back his ETA about a year still a lot to love long term of course let's uh talk to about Ronaldo Lopez got the call a little bit earlier than I was expecting at least uh quick stop at AAA before getting the call up sent back down and you know maybe due to innings workload he could be moved to the bullpen once he's brought back up but do you think he may make some more starts and what did you see from his debut well he could also be on the move, you know. I mean, oh, I think if, if the Nationals want to go out and, and get a guy like Aroldis Chapman or something like that, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, to me, sort of seems like an obvious piece to to include in a deal there. I, I'm i still in the he's a reliever camp, and honestly, like, there were a lot of, you know, first person to debut and have nine strikeouts without going five innings, like a lot of firsts for him in that start. But I also think you just kind of look at the the base runners he allowed and the fact that you know, to me he's either going to be a shutdown reliever or he's going to kind of figure out his his command and become you know a really solid starter mm-hmm. i don't really think there's any middle ground i think that if if he's going to struggle sort of uh i i i, th- I see a lot of your donald ventura with him and and i kind of think that you know, if he's going to be that kind of starter, he's more valuable in the bullpen where I think he could be a, a closer type. Uh, that's sort of still where I have him pegged. I have him ranked 
well inside the top 100 just because he's he's a valuable commodity in dynasty leagues right now just because of the numbers he's putting up in the upper levels of the minor leagues there are plenty of people out there that view him as a starter long term so mm-hmm. uh he does have value but I, I mean to me he's he's a reliever i could see him making a handful more starts for the nationals this year if he doesn't get dealt although you know lucas giolito is also going to be an option there he made his debut at triple a and and did did pretty well for himself so uh they're you know they only need to kind of make up one or two more starts i think before joe ross returns to that rotation so uh, i'd be just kind of kind of see what happens at the trade deadline with lopez and in terms of filling that that next start or two yeah definitely very interesting you know i, I was put in a tough position and staff keeper one where i had made a trade with the big boss peter shanky acquiring rowdy telez and ian happ and you know that put me over you know over 10 minor leagues so i had to make a cut and you know i regretted doing it i, I thought about just activating somebody but i didn't really have anybody that was on the cusp to contribute this year i ended up dropping lopez i regret it because as you said he does have value but i kind of agree that electric arm but i kind of see him in, in a relief role you know what term. i i dropped him in uh the tdgx um uh, hmm dynasty guru experts league that i'm in it's a 20 team league uh so uh you know a little over 200 prospects are rostered i dropped him a while ago in that league uh kind of before he sort of heated up this year because the stock was down a little bit i just it's it's one of those tough things where you you know and i'd I'd had him on the the trade block in that league for quite a while and just wasn't really getting any hits Mm -hmm. And I didn't believe in him as a starter. There were guys that I wanted to roster more. I'm trying to win right now. And, you know, nobody was coming to me trying to trade for him. So I just, you know, cut bait. And then basically as soon as I cut bait, then he just kind of went on a, a strikeout, you know, rampage through through double A and, <laughs> and triple A. And I think he ended up getting picked up on fab for like 35% of someone's budget. But I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I don't really regret it. I mean, if he ends up somehow figuring it out and, and making it as a starter, you know, the changeup kind of comes along, the command comes along, then I'll obviously come to regret it. But, you know, I, I think if you, it's, it's a fine line. I mean, if you, if you think you can move a guy, then that's obviously the best play if you don't believe in them making it as a starter. But I mean, I, I think just sometimes you just kind of got to go with your gut on something like that and, and just sort of hope that you're right. Yeah, exactly. Tough spot, but there is a chance, you know, I could maybe get him back in fab if I, I want, but I, f- I have a feeling in that league, like in yours, he's going to go for quite a bit of somebody's budget. Uh, I just got to thinking about, you know, we were talking in Vegas about staff, the possibility of starting a staff keeper three. It's been, what, three or four years since we've done a from scratch dynasty league, and it'll be interesting to see where some of these guys, these young, really young guys, go if they go in the auction next year when we do that. I don't think many of these guys that we're going to talk about will, but a guy like Swaggy V, Daniel Vogelbach, he, he should probably be bought in an auction next year. Heck, he could be up playing a, a role with the Major League Club pretty soon. We talked about the possibility of a trade for, what, two years? Finally went down yesterday, dealt to Seattle. Do you see him making an impact at the Major League level this season? I do. I think, you know, they're also trying to move Adam Lind, which to me is sure kind of a laughable exercise. <laughs> I'd hate to be the one kind of making that call. Like, hey, you know, yeah, hey, you what do you think? It. What do you think? What do you think? You know, guy, guy crushes righties. Uh, <laughs> Isn't he like on a one-year deal? Too? Yeah, I mean, he he's I done guess, at the end of this yeah. year. So, like, 
there's there's really no if you're a contending team and like Adam yeah. Lind helps you, then you're probably not a contending team. You're not going to be giving up anything. Right. So, I mean, maybe they move Adam Lind and just get like just a, an absolute throw in level prospect there and, and then create room for Vogelbach that way. But, I mean, even if they don't, Vogelbach's big league ready. I mean, he would have been up with the Cubs, you know, a month or two ago if they had anywhere to play him. So, I, I think maybe they, they send him to Tacoma for. A week or two but you know at the end of the day he, he makes that team better even if he's not playing every day I don't think he has much developing left to do in the minor leagues he doesn't need to work on his defense because he's a DH now that he's in the AL so uh, just having him as a guy that that starts at DH three or four times a week maybe even more than that if he gets going uh, I think that makes them a better team right now so mm-hmm. I, I would be surprised if he wasn't up at, at least by you know first week of August yeah I think he Probably will be. That's interesting that it seems like the Mariners really kind of see him as an upgrade over Lind right now. And I, it, I, I would too. Yeah, yeah. I, I really would. I mean, I think he's he's got a excellent, excellent approach. You know, I think you, you could probably put a seven on the hit tool. I, I think people put six, 60 on the power. So, you know, I, people have been throwing out Billy Butler comps. I actually think he's got more power than Butler – or at least more power projection than Butler did. But Butler was kind of seen as having like at least a 70 hit tool. So, uh, you know, Butler was sort of seen as a guy that was going to contend for batting titles at, at the DH position. I, I don't know if Vogelbach will be quite that good in terms of batting average, but the, the pro, I mean, he's going to get on base. He could be like a 300, 400, 500 type of guy. So, yeah. uh, and that could be very soon. He's 23. Uh, he's just absolutely yeah. demolished triple a pitching so i mean it it could translate right away yeah and the real life value is depressed a bit just given the fact that he can't really play the field but i mean if he's playing every day for fantasy that's a super valuable commodity and a guy that you know if you've been stashing playing that waiting game finally going to reap the benefits pretty soon here uh but let's dive into your latest farm futures piece james rookie league risers check out the full article article for yourself rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10-day trial no credit card required no strings attached. And we'll start with Kevin Maitan, who's a guy who, you know, when I've read your, your player notes and, and your writings on him in the past, seems like you're kind of gushing over him a little bit. And that's kind of reflected in, in his ranking on the updated top 200. Uh, side note, check that out as well. That was updated this week. But that's reflected because he's 6'2", and he's already 62nd overall in your prospect rankings. What is the overall package with, with Kevin Maitan? He's kind of been labeled as the best international prospect since you know at, at least at the time of the signing since Miguel Sano you know sort of in that uh Nomar Mazzara Jan Mankata level kind of international signing uh you know he maybe the best Venezuelan prospect since Miguel Cabrera and he also he kind of gets Miguel Cabrera comps just in the sense that he's Venezuelan and he plays shortstop right now, I think a lot of people expect him to move off short just because he is six foot two, hundred and seventy-five pounds as a sixteen-year-old. You kind of imagine that he that he fills out to you know two ten, two twenty at least by the time he's he's in the big leagues. Uh, maybe he kind of keeps it you know a bit more slight and agile sort of in a Manny Machado type of mold and and can still handle shortstop but I mean you you don't really need him to because the reason he was uh, far and away the number one prospect at at this J2 signing period was because of the bat not the glove I mean there were a lot of shortstop 
prospects signed uh, this year out of the Dominican and Venezuela that people see as better defensive options, but nobody really compares to him offensively. Switch hitter, uh, just really smooth swing. You know, you can see, just watch like his batting practice videos, and it's just, it's so easy for him to just really make strong contact. Uh, he just, he just kind of looks the part of a, a future superstar, you know, a future. Didn't you, yeah. Didn't you say his bat speed is like among the best and that yeah. you've seen in a while? Yeah. It's, it's, it's really pretty ridiculous. And it's, this is the type of guy, you know, for a 16 year old, I mean, this is a guy that he's going to be ranked probably in like the top 100 uh, for like baseball American, uh, Keith Law, et cetera. I, I put him 62 just cause in, in dynasty leagues, you just can't really put a price on having a superstar come up through your minor league system. And even though he's 16 years old, just the fact that in, in four years, you're probably looking at the number one prospect in baseball. I think that's worth the lead time there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So to me, I mean, I could even see a case for him being a top 50 guy. He's, he's going to head to the Gulf coast league next year. I would expect him to, to dominate there and, and, join you know low a shortly after but uh the braves you know i i don't necessarily love some of the stuff they've done on on the prospect side uh at least this new regime in terms of just really going all out after these pitching prospects some of whom i, I don't really uh, view as viable front-end starters but the getting guys like my and, and ronald acuna into the system is is a you know really really a big deal yeah i i agree with you that you know what John Hart has done overall, like just stockpiling arms. I just don't really like the quality of of and you know the the floor on, on a lot of those arms. But getting a, a position player like this is great, and I really think the international market is where these teams like the Braves and the, like the my Reds. I wish they were more active. That's where they can kind of close the gap because uh, it's kind of all things being equal realistically yeah. in the international market. And you want to. You want to be international at the you know the the J two signing with the the sixteen and seventeen year old Dominicans and Venezuelans, uh, the Cuban market I think, uh, it's, overhyped. It's just so, you know, like Ulyaski Guriel. Everyone's talking about how you know this is a guy that's going to hit two eighty, eighteen twenty homers. That's exactly what people said about Hector Oliveira, and obviously <laughs> Hector Oliveira had off the field issues but I, I honestly think you know Guriel could have off the field issues too you're talking about a, a Cuban uh you know superstar baseball player that has not had to facilitate off the field mm-hmm. um uh or assimilate off the field like like to the U.S. culture I mean it, it's just it's it's kind of a big deal when you take a grown man, yep. give him that kind of money and, and move him to a, a culture where certain things are, are acceptable and unacceptable mm-hmm. compared to where they come from. So, I mean, I think you're just taking a risk there. I mean, how, I mean, it's been a pretty bad success rate in the past two years or so with, with these Cubans coming over, even a guy like Jose Hebreu, who is a big time yeah. success story initially, he's been pretty mediocre this year. If you, if you, drafted jose breu in your league this year you're probably not gonna cash so mm-hmm. uh it's just of course like rusne castillo yaziel puig yeah I mean, it's been I mean, yasmani tomas yeah. i mean alex guerrero i mean there's just so many guys i mean they're just they're not really producing uh whereas these these dominicans that you get when they're 16 uh, venezuelans when you get they're, they're a teenager you kind of bring them up through your system 
and kind of develop, you know, c- completely develop them the way you want them to develop. And I think that's just a, a much better use of, of resources. Plus, you, yeah, you, you bring them in at 16, you get them a while to to acclimate to the U.S. culture, you know, and have them mature under kind of under your watch or oversight. And I think that is is good. Uh, and, yeah, so I'm taking it you're not – you're not expecting Guriel to bank an impact for for owners this year. I mean, least. he could. I I definitely think he could. I just don't see the. It's not like it's a, anyone's saying he's yeah. a crazy high upside guy either. Everyone just sort of says he's just this sort of steady. Yeah. You know. So I. There's I mean, been so many cautionary tales. Right, and if if he comes up, you know, he'll probably come up, you know, first week of August or something like that. Play five or six days a week. You know, what's he going to do? Hit like. 270 with like five home runs over the rest of the season something yeah. like that i mean it's it's not gonna uh, change anyone's fortunes i don't think and and i'm not gonna like i would much rather use if you're doing a dynasty league draft where you can't pick up a guy in season like this i'd much rather even take a guy like uh i mean several guys from last year's draft over him and i honestly i hate trying to rank guys like guriel because i feel like they're valuable enough in terms of what you could trade for them initially that they have to be ranked, you know, in the sixties or so, but I would, I'd probably take a guy like Blake Rutherford over him hmm. as if in a dynasty league, just cause I know I, I could theoretically have Rutherford for another 15 years, whereas Guriel's peak might end. It might already be over. It might, yeah, might you know, could. who knows real quick before we move on, uh, Vogelbach or Guriel rest of season for you <laughs> rest of just this season. Taking uh, swaggy. I'll go Guriel just because I'm more confident in the playing time mm-hmm. and manufacturer in the ballpark. I think that that helps too. And the position eligibility. I mean, he'll be eligible. Very true. Probably at third and second, maybe. Uh, outfield. You know, I think there's Vogelbach. You're, you're, maybe you're fortunate to, to get him eligible at first base, depending on what he's listed at. But uh, we're also not. Get, I think he'll be up in a, in a week or two, but I mean, he might. Just they might just keep him down until mm-hmm. September too. Interesting. Just wanted to get get your take on that. And back to Maiton real quick. Six two, you know, one hundred seventy five pounds. Not you know really filled out quite yet, but a big frame. I'm taking it a possible move away from shortstop. Really isn't a big deal for you, just given his offensive skill set. No, I mean I think this is. It really is the kind of. You know, I'm not comparing him to to Miggy or. Machado or A-Rod but I mean it is that type of package where you know you don't really care if he moves I mean you you want him to be shortstop eligible but he's just going to hit so much that it just doesn't matter yeah absolutely let's move on to Mickey Moniak of course the top overall pick in this year's amateur draft and uh, off to a real nice start in the Gulf Coast League 300 average 348 on base not hitting for a ton of power 400 slugging one homer uh, a triple and a double uh, one for four on stolen bases, though. That's a little little concerning. But it's it's really, you know, we talked about this on the draft. It's really about his ability to stick in center. Makes him so strong, but for in real life anyway. But for fantasy, is he going to have that carrying tool? Is it going to be the hit tool that, that carries him for fantasy purposes? Yeah, you you get a lot of Christian Yelich comps on him. I think that those are pretty apt. I'm, I'm surprised that he's got as many homers as he does steals right now. Uh, that's you know, one for four on stolen base attempts. I'd kind of like to see those four attempts on video just to kind of see what, what happened there. But, 
you know, it's a friendly assignment to the Gulf Coast League. I'm not surprised at all. I mean, he's basically doing exactly what I would have expected given that assignment. And, you know, I, I think if, if you like Mickey Moniak when he got drafted, you like him as much, if not even more, just based on what he's done so far. Yeah, looking at his player page right now, three three times he's been hit by a pitch. Seventy one plate appearances. <laughs> Haters gonna hate, man. You got that top <laughs> overall pick money. People are gonna gonna drill you. You mentioned Blake Rutherford, uh, outfielder in the Yankees system. He's he's faring really well in the Appalachian League. Appalachian League. Uh, two homers, two ninety five average, three seventy three on base, uh, five walks, eleven strikeouts. You think he should have gone significantly higher in the draft, and you think teams are, are already starting to regret it? I mean, there were a handful of picks this year where I, I you know, Rutherford's won. We, we talked about Kyle Lewis, uh, Delvin Perez, who we're actually going to get to in a minute here. Just no, not really sure on draft day, and I'm not sure at all right now why those guys didn't go higher. I mean, they've all performed since getting into pro ball. Rutherford, I, I assume the fact that he was 19 and a prep player had something to do with it. I mean, that's that's that can be a red flag. I mean, there, there are a lot of guys that sort of end up being busts and they're old for their, their high school class. But, I mean, it's you kind of got to trust the, the scouting, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone, everyone liked Rutherford uh, just in terms of just pure skills, and, and he's doing really well. I mean, Appalachian League is uh, not – always the easiest place for a, a high school player to hit right away after they get drafted and he's really dominated he hasn't just held his own he's, he's dominated so far so I wouldn't even be surprised to see him get a taste of short season ball maybe before the end of the season and, and hmm. probably start next year at low a yeah definitely a guy I'm keeping an eye on he's you know I, I want to see what he does once he gets to a full season definitely be interesting and Vlad Jr man he's you know it was all projection and you know pedigree and hype for a while but now we're starting to see it on the field three homers uh, five for six on stolen base attempts 11 walks and just 14 strikeouts and 90 at bats Uh, are we really seeing a kid who could like his dad become a a superstar at the major league level I think he could be a a fantasy superstar you know I think defensively he he doesn't have quite the same real life appeal as his dad but you know how about that approach you yeah. know 14, for 17 only, only 14 to 11 k to walk and 90 at bats in, in the Appalachian League as a 17 year old and you know he's there's a couple things about the profile right now that are gonna change as he moves as he you know fills it continues to fill out likely and, and gets a gets a little bit more mature I mean he's playing third base exclusively right now that's not going to last. I mean, yeah, I think it, he's he, he's likely to kind of look exactly like Miguel Sano by the time he gets to the big league. So, you know, if you think Miguel Sano should still be playing third base, maybe you'll say Vlad Jr. should play third base. But uh, the other thing is, the, you know, the five for six on stolen base attempts, he's not really projected to run much at all by the time he gets to the big mm-hmm. leagues. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, he honestly could DH – is it's as likely that he's a DH as it is that he sticks at third base. So uh, it's all about the the bat with the the power and the batting average, the RBIs. I mean, he's going to hit in the middle of the lineup. So I, I'm just really excited that he's taken to this assignment the way he has as a 17 year old. Yeah, it's really impressive. And you mentioned mentioned the possibility, you know, that he could DH or at least be 
rather limited defensively, already at 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. Hefty, hefty that's big boy. That's a lot. It's a big boy. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I just remember that that grainy, you know, home run competition video of him in some, you know, kind of dumpy park, quite honestly. But I think he was like 16, just really impressive raw power for his age. I, I can't wait to see what he does. Real quick, just while we're on the topic, can I ask you about his organizational mate? I asked, I mentioned him just in passing earlier, but Rowdy Telez, is he one of the bigger risers for you on your updated top 200? So what he's doing right now is incredible. So I think I, I want to say before the season I had him in like the 60s, and then I moved him down 10 or 15 spots uh, at the first update because I think he, he's hitting like 180 or something like that in May. Uh, and most of it was just kind of bad luck, and we were kind of preaching that. But, I mean, he also wasn't taking a step forward when some other guys were. Uh, now he's back up in the 40s, and honestly, I could see a case for him being higher than that. He's he's just – the guy can just handle the stick. I mean, mm-hmm. he's – think he could be ready to take over for Edwin as soon as next year? Uh, you know, I, I think they'll definitely play the uh, years of control game. Probably, honestly, even the the Super 2 game, just given that new regime and how mm-hmm. they were sort of brought in specifically to cut costs. But he'll be up sometime next year, no doubt. And I think in the second half, he'll he'll probably be their starting first baseman. Well, getting back to the rookie league hitters, Delvin Perez was one of the biggest values in the draft. But, of course, his stock was hurt by uh, that positive PED test that came to light just before the draft. But... Off to a nice start to his pro career, 17-year-old, batting 342, 391, 468, 8 for 9 on stolen base attempts. Uh, you know, the character issues will remain at the forefront, that narrative, for a while, but do you think Perez, with his on-field ability, is going to eventually distance himself and really be uh, solidify his status as a top prospect in all of baseball? I think he he definitely could be the guy who – you know, say two years from now is ranked higher than anyone else from this draft class on mm-hmm. prospect list, just given the the shortstop eligibility. Uh, you know, the hit tool is the one thing that people were sort of, you know, hit tool and the power, I guess, were the two things that people weren't so sure on in addition to sort of the, the PD questions. And so far, I mean, it's not an incredibly tough assignment for him in the Gulf Coast League, but he's still just 17 years old. So, I mean, to, to do what he's doing as a professional in, in any league is, is impressive. Uh, the speed is, is nice to see. I mean, maybe he's a, he's a 15, 20 stolen base guy uh, at maturity. And, you know, I think he could be a 15, 20 Homer guy at least. So uh, this is a guy that I think is going to be awfully popular come next year when this draft class gets, gets drafted in dynasty leagues. I mean, I could see people, Depending on how he finishes the season, I could see him going first overall in some drafts. Hmm. Very interesting. We'll move on to Leody Tavares, outfielder in the Rangers organization. He's at, in the Arizona League, faring faring really well right now. And he was a guy that he was he was selected in our staff two league. And I saw him on a roster, and I really didn't know who he is, but he's really starting to make a name for himself. What uh, what's going to be the carrying tools with with Tavares? I mean, he's he's very fast uh he's the the younger cousin of Willie Tavares and I think that's kind of like his floor you know the the high contact speedy leadoff guy you know he's he's shown a really good ability to make contact so far just just 24 strikeouts and 
138 bats across the uh, Dominican Summer League and the Arizona League. Uh, those obviously aren't very tough places to play, but 17 years old, I mean, he's, he's really showing quite a bit. If he can develop some power, which I think is, is possible, he could could be a 15 homer guy. And in that case, then you, you're possibly looking at a an elite leadoff type that, mm-hmm. that's good for 100 plus runs, a high average, and and double digit stolen bases and double digit homers. So I mean, that there's there's a chance that he's a big time fantasy asset. But I really kind of like the floor as well. Real quick word from our sponsor, guys. Do you need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in. Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website. With hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, the drag-and-drop editor, there is no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy, too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy, and that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com, create your own website today. The result is stunning. Moving on, though, James, Alex Kirilov, already Eight extra base hits and just 66 at-bats at the rookie level. Only one walk compared to nine strikeouts, though. Is the approach really the the big question mark with Kirilov? It is, but it's also just, you know, who really cares, like, at this point? I mean, he's he's 18. (laughs) The power, I I really believe in the power. I mean, I think there were some people that, that had questions about it. I think he's got as much as as Rutherford, uh, maybe even more. Doesn't quite have the same approach, but you know, there's he's got four or five years to develop a strong mm-hmm. approach. So uh, I'm not worried about that at all right now. I just I really like the fact that he's he's hit the ground running. This is the guy that probably goes in the top ten of of drafts next year in terms of if you're if you're just selecting from the draft class. And the the international signings. I mean, I really think he's he's done a lot to to boost his stock since draft day. Who do you think from this article would you say? Um, you know, it, it probably would be Maiton, but anybody else? Uh, let's just say, aside from Maiton, who do you think goes first in the reserve round of next year's SKL two draft? I think it's Moniac. It's kind of. Uh, I mean, it, it, just in terms of guys that I listed in this article mm-hmm. that are that would. You know, obviously we'll we'll exclude a guy like Vlad Jr. Uh, he's, he's already owned. He's already owned. I, think, yeah. um, I know you wrote a just jumping ahead a little bit. Miguel Angel Sierra mm-hmm. is that the? Am I probably yeah, butchering the he's name? He's probably Miguel Angel. Miguel Angel. Um, nice. But but yeah, so he he's not from um, this year's class. He was from the 2014 class, but he's probably unowned. Hmm. Uh, assuming your league doesn't allow in-season pickups, you know, I, I think Delvin. I think it's probably that. between just from the guys listed in this article. I think it's probably between Moniac, Rutherford, and Delvin. And I think it really, really matters how these guys finish the year too. Hmm. Uh, if I could see all three of those guys, they're going in the first round of the reserve draft. You know, people are gonna 
the fact that Moniac was one one is gonna is gonna matter. Uh, I think Corey Ray goes ahead of all these guys. Uh, I'd still take Kyle Lewis ahead of all these guys, even though he's uh, gonna miss that year. But you know, I, I could see Perez pushing his way up there. But I think right now, I mean, the safe pick is Moniac. I mean, you, you know, you're getting a you're, you've got a really good shot at getting a big league regular who who hits for a high average. So I think that's that's a pretty safe pick. Well, let's jump to Jalen Ortiz. Uh, the Philly system, he's off to a nice start. Big boy, too, but like Vlad Jr., you're kind of saying that his bat's going to play well enough to where defensively, defensively it won't really matter where he ends up, right? Yeah, he's playing right field now, but this dude's 17, and he's already 215. 6'3", uh, <laughs> so he's got a, a few more, few inches on Vlad Jr., but uh, he hit another homer today. That gives him six for the year. He leads the Gulf Coast League. Uh I mean, this guy's just a – he's going to be a first baseman. I think that that's kind of the inevitable way that this plays out. And I'm a big fan. I own him in, in a league. I picked him up recently where it allows uh, in-season pickups. You know, I, I have him ranked 142 right now. I just – what's not to like? I mean, the guy's just <laughs> 314, 400, 614, and – as a 17-year-old, I mean, this is a middle-of-the-order bat. I think he could actually move fairly quickly uh, relative to some of the other guys that, that are his age. So, you know, future in that, that ballpark in, in Philadelphia, I mean, there's there's just a lot to like with this kid. I could see him entering next year as a top 100 guy. Yeah, I mean, we've talked so many times about, like, how much, you know, for fantasy purposes, should we weigh proximity? And it is a fine line because – you know, while you like ideally guys who are going to help you pretty soon, getting these guys whose you know stock could potentially soar in the coming years, having those chips uh, guys is maybe you're you're waiting to, for the full thing to come together long term, or they could become really valuable trade chips. Right. I, it's every owner kind of has their own sort of balance in terms of weighing floor and ceiling, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of sort of recent examples you know guys like Paul Goldschmidt and and Mookie Betts where they went from being viewed as as low ceiling guys to all of a sudden they're just going to be perennial first round picks so it's not always that sort of one-to-one like well this guy's a low floor or a low ceiling guy so I'm gonna pass on him and that doesn't always work out but I mean, if you only go for the the safe guys, you're not going to win too many dynasty leagues. You need to have those those super high upside guys uh, with the tools. I mean, <laughs> you need you need plus tools. Like yeah. it it might not be apparent right away when they're in at high A or double A that their hit tool or or their power tool is going to be plus. But I mean, a guy like Jalen Ortiz, like you know, right now he's got seventy grade power. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not that easy to find regardless of what level you're looking at and for a guy that's already got that kind of approach and got that pedigree I mean that that's really hard to find so I, I think you have to be as long as you're in a league that your confidence going to be around for quite a while I mean you have to be willing to wait four or five years on these guys or at the very least roster them and then trade them in two or three years hmm. when their their value doubles or triples yeah absolutely well moving on you know the Brewers seemingly hit one out of the park with their first pick in the draft, Corey Ray. They may have found a little bit of a hidden gem with their next pick. I mean, not all that hidden because he went 46 overall, but Lucas Ersig, I mean, off to really was off to a really nice start in the rookie levels. Now has been promoted to low-A Wisconsin. Uh, that happened earlier in the week. 
but when he was at the rookie level, I mean, 400 average, 452 on base, 552 slug, two homers, eight stolen bases, and nine attempts. Uh, you're pumping the brakes a little bit because you have him at, at 190 still overall, and he's he is a 21 year old, so you got to take it what he's done with a little bit of a grain of salt. But are you thinking Ursig could be a guy who maybe is a part of the the Brewers' next winning club? Yeah, he's he's definitely looking like their third baseman of the future probably. I mean, he's displaced Jake Gatewood at at Low A Wisconsin. Gatewood's going to play some some uh, outfield and some first base. Uh Ursig the the reason that he kind of fell was because he wasn't playing D1 last year. He was playing NAIA. And so I, I just don't think people really knew what to make of what he was doing because the the level of competition obviously wasn't that strong. Uh he's you know, I think if you redo the draft today, just based on what he did in the Pioneer League over 105 at bats, he probably goes 20 spots higher. Honestly, <laughs> I mean that that's uh, that's that's just really good scouting by the Brewers. I'm not sure how much of the speed's going to play. I mean, eight for nine on stolen base attempts. I don't I don't think anyone really thought speed was going to be a big part of his game. But even if it's just 10 to 12 steals, that's that's still something. But uh, he he's kind of your prototypical third base prospect if he really really hits at low a wisconsin over the rest of the season he'll he'll climb even further up the the rankings but i mean a really good really good draft again by the brewers um we can't wait to see what they do at the deadline as a reds fan i'm jealous of you know the direction that front office has taken the club in. yeah and you know i i I just want that lucro trade to go down so we can talk about it i mean i'm sure we'll probably be talking about it on next week's pod but think it'll go down that soon i guess the deadline is coming i mean yeah i think there's there's a non-zero chance that they don't move him and they just move him in the off season Mm -hmm. because they're asking for a ton Mm -hmm. you know like the fact that some of these teams that they're asking for like two top prospects and maybe more which which i assume to mean two top 50 guys and you know the list of teams that a have two of those types of guys to move and b are willing to invest in a catcher like that it's probably not that long but you know i think i was talking with kevin o'brien in the office our office manager yesterday about this i mean the rangers are just so kind of in you know they're they're in that we don't really need a catcher Mm -hmm. like that's what they're saying and it's like yeah well we see who your catchers are. You do need a catcher. <laughs> yeah. And then you have the Indians who are just, I mean, they're. I mean, that was kind of a new entry or at least rumored entry into the Lucroy sweepstakes a little bit. I think that'd be, I mean, they could probably two of their top prospects. I just think that they're they're kind of pussyfooting around this this whole opportunity they have here of winning. I mean, they, they're legit top three or four that rotation to win the World Series yeah. this year. I mean, you got to go for it. You yeah. can't. Look at what the Mets had last year, and then look how quickly that fell apart. You know, you just, mm-hmm. one guy needs uh, the, the shoulder surgery. I mean, you, you're the, when you have a rotation like that, it doesn't last. It doesn't necessarily last that long, especially when they, they throw that hard. So I think if if you're the Indians, that makes a ton of sense to me, especially if it was just something like you know Clint Frazier, Bobby Bradley, and like Justice Sheffield or something like that. Oh, just those guys, yeah. But, but I mean, no, I mean for Luke Roy, you're, you're talking about you know Bobby yeah. Bradley, a guy that's striking out over thirty percent of the time. Uh, you're talking about Clint Frazier, a guy who 
you know, up until this year, still had you know, plenty of skeptics on him. I mean, he's not a top 10 guy. And then, you know, Sheffield's a five foot ten pitching prospect. So, I mean. I mean, it, that'd be a fair package, I think. I think. I'm not saying that, like, that's what it should cost. But, like, you know, they, they should at least be willing to make, part with two of those guys for, for a guy like Luke Roy if it means really upping their chances of winning this season. Yeah, any opportunity you have to add a guy who's. You know, not only like not a net negative, which in alone would be good, but a pretty big net and, positive behind the plate. And you wonder, you know, Tyler Naquin's complete emergence yeah, this year. Crazy. I wonder if that makes him more willing to deal a guy like Bradley Zimmer, Clint yeah. Frazier. It's a very good point. Yeah, I can't wait to see how that shakes out. But yeah, Jan Gomes and who Roberto Perez. I mean, that's it's not getting it done. But I I think the the point of like. You know, a guy having a catcher having to come in and acclimate to the new pitching staff, and those pitchers having to you know acclimate to his style behind the plate is something to, to take in consideration, especially when the rotation is such a big part of the Indian success. But uh, I think that may be a little bit overblown because Lucroy he can hold it's, his own with anybody. I think that that's that's something you have to consider when it's like a below average defensive catcher <laughs> yeah. or a guy who doesn't have a good reputation of handling his staff. Mm-hmm. When it's a guy like Lucroy, you're getting like an upgrade. It's yeah. not, you know, a guy just because a guy is really comfortable with the pitch, the pitcher's really comfortable with a catcher. Like they'd mm-hmm. rob, they'd still rob their throw to a better catcher. You know, <laughs> yeah. I don't really know how his like pitch framing numbers are though. They're really, are they really really good. good. And yeah. he's he's I think he's having his career best year in terms of controlling the run game. So nice. uh, you're really getting a you know probably a top twenty five player in all of baseball if you factor in the defense there and i mean they need that offense needs i mean he might hit number two for them if he if they picked him up or number three yeah. so i mean it's it's a guy that i think that would make a lot of sense for them to go get uh but then again I, move. I don't think they're going to do it because i think they're i don't think they have the stones <laughs> to go make a move like that that is unfortunate because that could put him over the hump especially in the american league at least but we're going to move on here shortly and, and grade out guy that we've kind of been holding off on. I know the grades are going to be sky high for Ghostface Killer, but anybody else you want to from the article that you want to shout out quickly? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go rapid fire real quick here. Adrian Rondon, top prospect in uh, the 2014 J2 class. He's got five homers and, and 80 at-bats in the Appalachian League. I mean, his, his stock's way back up. Uh, you know, Jemai Jones in the, the Angel system, they've got two guys in the top 200 now, which uh, would have seemed crazy uh, a few months ago. But Matt, Matt Theis, their first-round pick, and, and Jemai Jones in the Pioneer League, 18-year-old, really two as the outfielder, uh, definitely a guy to, worth worth grabbing in deeper dynasty leagues. Uh, Dermis Garcia, third baseman for the Yankees, he's – I think he hit his 10th homer the other day in just like 70 at bats in, in the Appalachian League. He's his approach is uh, kind of it's definitely three true outcomes right now, but it's it's totally working for him. It's really legit uh, 70 grade power in the in the rookie leagues. And then uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., who was kind of a you know it's, it sort of seemed like there were two throw-ins in that James Shield trade with the. Uh, <coughs> Uh, the White Sox and the Padres and Eric Johnson kind of looks like a, a you know rotation depth type of guy now, maybe a sixth or seventh starter. Uh, Tatis though, seventeen years old, is he's got two homers, five steals, and, and eighty four bats in the Arizona League. He's hitting three twenty one. Uh, looks like a, a much more legitimate prospect now than he did at the time of that trade. So he's definitely a guy worth keeping an eye on. 
Well, James, we appreciate your insight as always. And again, check out his latest farm futures on the site, rookie league risers, and the updated top 200 prospect list. Always good stuff. We are going to grade out Ghost, though, and this is a guy that I really regard as one of my favorite rappers of all time. Uh, Supreme Clientele is my favorite album of all time, but of course, Iron Man, uh, Bulletproof Wallets, even Fish Scale. I mean, really good uh, library of music from Ghostface, and we'll just dive right in. Lyricism, I got a 70, you got an 80. As much as I love Ghost and love the lyricism, sometimes I, I honestly, as much as I try to you know, even do my research and find out what he's saying if I can't figure it out myself, I sometimes just don't get the lyrics. Uh, well, first of all, Supreme Clientele is my favorite album of all time, too, so we're, nice. we're agreed there. If you haven't listened to that album, oh, uh, man. Go, go, go do go so. Go do yourself a favor. Be in for a treat. And listen to it. Uh, you know, the, I, I, I agree that sometimes... I mean, sometimes he's he's basically rapping gibberish, but mm-hmm. it's it's it puts a smile on my face. Yeah, and, me too. You know, the, so the lyrics that I that I understand are obviously, you know, elite, and then the ones that I don't understand, I don't really mind that I don't understand them no, because just true. just the delivery and the way that I mean, his rhyme schemes are about as complex as yeah, it gets. they're complex, and I do think you're right that he is funny too. Yeah. Oh, he's he's, he's hilarious. Like. I mean, a lot of times, well, sure, Shay the Ghost for one, but also the song's like, Marvin, <laughs> you were a friend of mine. He stood for something. something. <laughs> I mean, he's just, well, Supreme Clientele was kind of the apex, but he's continued that, it was you know, the apex. that witty. It was, it was the apex, yeah, the of, apex. Music. <laughs> <laughs> All of music. All of music. But the witty, the witty style mixed with... Yeah, insane rhyme schemes and substance. You know, mm-hmm. the, the tales of the streets can be heard, and that's really what you know. I have a tough time relating to a lot of the, the content, but it's really the, the, the tales, the storytelling from the streets that hooks me. <laughs> yeah, and no Ghost, Ghost absolutely uh, tells a tale. Flow, we both got eighties. Again, rhyme scheme aside, I mean the flow, and we, we've seen Action Bronson. I mean that's the reason I just. Can't give him any loves because he just jacked the flow. And he, he was, you know, Ghost kind of gave him his blessing at first, and then he had the nerve to kind of stab Ghost in the back and, and talk smack. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, let's not talk about him uh, and ruin this <laughs> podcast, but, uh, you know, Ghost, the flow. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> does his is does he have the – he might have the best He is my flow. favorite flow of all time. I, I might – put biggie's flow up there with him but you know i would take i i gave nas an 80 flow i would i would take ghost flow over nas i gave we both gave cameron an 80 flow i gave cameron an 80 flow St- to that. me they're they're neck and neck uh i might go i might go biggie over not over ghost with the flow but uh i mean it's it's just one of those all-time flows that just it's not even yeah I mean, it's it's elite. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Really setting the bar historically for flow longevity. I got a seventy. You got a sixty. Uh, mentioned you know the the discography. It's pretty deep. Of course, the entire catalog with the Wu Tang Clan as a group. And I really think he kind of carried a lot of not necessarily himself carried, but helped carry uh, the Wu Tang's early success. Uh, nowadays, you don't see a ton of new music. I'm still on the lookout for it. I know you. 
Uh, I was pumped about Supreme Clientele too, but you kind of wised me up and said maybe you should temper expectations. It just it sounds too good to be true. Yeah, that's uh, true. And I almost don't want to listen to it unless I, I don't want to listen to it unless everyone's telling me I have to listen to it, and mm-hmm. not just you because I feel like you'll tell me to listen <laughs> to it regardless. But yes, sir. Uh, it would just make me sad to listen to it and have it not be good. Yeah, uh, that me, would be really really a bummer to me. I get. I mean, to me, a sixty. I mean, ten years of of excellence. Really, only five albums in those ten years. But from Iron Man in '96 to Fishgale in 2006, a really nice run there. Uh, I thought the what was the album Big Big, Big Doe Rehab? Rehab? That, that was sweet. It's. I thought it was okay. I don't mm. think it was quite on the level. Um, Not quite. But it was probably it was more kind of on the on the. Uh, pretty tony album sort of mm-hmm. level i mean that pretty tony album probably the the weakest of those those first five albums there but i mean there's still some some uh quality songs on mm-hmm. there uh impact for me i gave 65 70, 70 for you i yeah i mean kind of as maybe the most talented member of wu-tang I, you got to give big marks for impact to release my yeah. favorite album of all time i'm gonna give you big marks for impact but then just in terms of really impacting i mean he he did action bronson he he kind of bestowed him upon us i feel like that that might be negative marks <laughs> uh, be. not that it was it was ghost fault at all no. but you know i think there's no, i think you're there's right more there. there's guys that have been more impactful i think yeah there are i got a 70 i think that's maybe a little high but I, yeah again i think especially for new york hip-hop fans big impact uh kind of on that region and uh, he's a guy that I think even nowadays, you know, even with the younger generation, maybe they don't really listen to him, but I think they kind of know who Ghostface is. Maybe because of the whole like Martin Shkreli thing. I don't know if they maybe do. Maybe not. I bet Waylon has never even heard a Ghostface song in his life. Uh, real shame. But swag, I got an eighty. I thought about going a little lower because you know, hard to have eighty swag when you have have diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> He's got D2 Genesis, and, you know, I don't hold that against him, but um, <laughs> maybe I no, I really don't. But well, you get him an 80, we, so when you're you talking about swag grades, I mean, plus the Martin Shkreli vid where he's just kind of ranting, you just don't want to acknowledge uh, a piece of crap like that. But uh, I'm still keeping him at 80 because it's it's Ghostface effing I mean, look at the, look at the uh, photo shoot for uh, – Bulletproof wallets, and tell me that's not eighty <laughs> swag, you know? Uh, yeah. Plus the big like gold forearm thing, like the, the eagle, eagle. The golden yeah. eagle thing on the arm. I mean, come on. And I think he was one of the first to pioneer like wrestling belts and just wearing Pastor a robe Troy. all over yeah. the place. He is an absolute <clears throat> stud. I got him at seventy-five, Hall of Fame caliber talent, highest grade. I gave Biggie an eighty, so not quite the highest grade I have, but uh, he's right up there. Biggie, I guess it's you know, kind of a historical context thing. Give him an 80. But Ghostface, in terms of living hip-hop artists, is my favorite. I gave him a 75, tied with Nas, uh, five points higher than Cameron and uh, Kanye West for me. So uh, top three in terms of guys that we've graded so far. Uh, top five, better alive for me. So, yeah, I mean... It, Big, big, big fan. Big props to, to Ghostface for for all that he's done. Uh, definitely go listen to 
uh, Supreme clientele. If you haven't go, I mean, you shouldn't even yeah. listen to us. I mean, don't listen yeah. to next week's pod or the week after. Just just listen. <laughs> just listen to that clientele. on repeat for, uh, for a few weeks the next week. Then, yeah, too. hit us up and, and check us. out like only built for Cuban links to all of his features <laughs> and uh, yeah, work with the Wu Tang is just. Yeah. I mean, only built for Cuban links is is like a thirty percent ghost. Yeah, exactly. Album, so. I think that's wise to point out. That's a certified classic as well. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, Prospect Pod will be back with you next Thursday. is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.